Without a ball, it's just a court. And without your spirit, it's only a game. So, together with the fans, we bring our best. For your next pregame, let's share a twist on a classic. The Hennessy Margarita. A squeeze of fresh lime juice and a bit of agave syrup. Topped off with ice and a salted rim. Mix it, shake it, pour it. And enjoy the spirit of the NBA. Hennessy. Without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Good morning, all. Welcome back to our Friday episode drops where we are truly standing on business as we break down some of the biggest business moves we've seen around both sports and culture. This past week, cities were confirmed for the 2006 World Cup taking place in North America. And while we're still a couple years out, we are going to start seeing an economic effect before we know it. E.T., myself, will be breaking that down today. I'm actually looking forward to it. And running into our guest on the pod this week is an athlete turned business entrepreneur who is no stranger to the World Cup herself, co-founder of the National Women's Soccer League's newest expansion team, the best team in the league, Bay FC, while they're in Santa Barbara right now uh, for the first training camp. Danielle Slayton sits down with both of us at a Soho House, Cities with, Without Houses event to speak to how our years playing both in American Overseas Unlocked, a passion to drive change in the game of soccer. Or football. Which one do you call it, E.T.? You call it soccer or football? Uh, I call it soccer. Okay. I can dig it. Point. Forward. This is Andre Iguodala. This is Evan Turner. We're trying to get to the true essence of not just basketball, but life. And that means something. something, something. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. That level of understanding has been taken out of the game. E.T., in 2026, North America is set to host the prestigious World Cup. Matches across three countries, 16 cities in total. In 2022, 1.6 billion, that's what it'd be. That's how many people watched the World Cup final in Qatar and over a million tourists traveled there to participate. Um, that sounds like a lot of money involved, especially with sports and sports betting and the crazy prop bets we got last week, uh, which I was involved in one of them. But before we go into that, uh, let's break it all down. In terms of economic and touristic milestones for North America, uh, the World Cup is a historic sporting event uh, set to unfold across Mexico, United States, and Canada and promising to bring substantial economic impact. 
With the expanded format featuring 104 matches and 48 teams, cities across North America are preparing for an influx of tourism and investment. According to the Boston Consultant Group and United Bid Committee, the event is expected to generate over $5 billion in short-term economic activity, including 40,000 jobs and more than $1 billion in worker earnings. I repeat, that's $5 billion in short-term economic activity for 40,000 jobs and a billion in worker earnings. Financial considerations for host cities. The cost of hosting the World Cup is substantial. Cities are revising their financial plans to meet the expenses associated with infrastructure enhancements and event organization. Unlike previous World Cups where national governments shouldered most costs, U.S. cities are independently funding their participation with some seeking state support to cover the expenses. In the U.S., cities that will be Participating in hosting games are Atlanta, Boston, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City, Los Angeles, Miami, New York slash New Jersey, all road in one, Philadelphia, San Francisco, a.k.a. the Bay Area, and Seattle, one of my favorite cities. In Mexico, the cities are Guadalajara, Mexico City, and Monterey, and in Canada, two of my favorite spots as well, Toronto and Vancouver. 16 cities across the U.S., Canada and Mexico will host a total of 48 teams and 80 matches under the new expanded format, making this the largest FIFA World Cup in history. FIFA requires 14 stadiums with a capacity of 40 to 80,000 seats, along with 150 training grounds. When the World Cup was in South Africa, they spent approximately $4 billion on World Cup preparations. Brazil mm -hmm. spent the estimate $15 billion in World Cup preparations. Jesus. Russia spent over $14 billion on infrastructure costs beyond stadiums, constructions, projects that created 220,000 domestic jobs. This comes out to about a billion per tournament host city. Oil-rich Qatar, they love putting oil rich on them, <laughs> has earmarked $220 billion to host the World Cup. That's not a typo. $220 billion. Wow. Mm. They... Do not, they did not have, it's already been in Qatar, right? Yeah, yeah, it was just in Qatar a couple, uh, couple years ago. So they had to rebuild everything basically brand new because Qatar had no, no stadiums, none of that stuff really to, uh, you know, meet the requirements, but they were able to build it up, which was, you know, pretty impressive if you think about it. This is true. And then I really want to break down your thoughts. The New York, New Jersey FIFA committee has to raise funds from the committee. It's a big, it's big prestige. I don't know that it's a huge moneymaker for the stadium because it costs a lot to live up to the requirements FIFA puts in front of you in order to be that host. That's from Meadowlands Chamber of Commerce President James Kirkos. Kirkos also stated there's a lot of money that needs to be spent in order to produce the events for FIFA. That's one of the jobs of the host committee now. It'll gear up as they start to raise the money. Just like the Super Bowl, the host committee has to raise 40 million or more so now that's their task now to do that. Mayor Adams estimates that the World Cup will bring $2 billion in revenue to the city. World Cup final will generate over 14,000 jobs. As a result, FIFA chose MetLife Stadium over the likes of AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, where the Cowboys play. MetLife Stadium holds 80,000 people. The stadium will also host five group stage games beginning June 13th. 2026 until the final ends. Now, there were some issues 
historically, as we break all that down, ET, with MetLife Stadium, speaking of the Super Bowl that uh, occurred the last time the Super Bowl was there. Yeah, say 2014. 2014. And they had a lot of issues with people leaving the stadium. Yeah, it took forever, I guess. Yeah. So now they doubled back and they've made statements that they've hosted three Taylor Swift concerts and they haven't had any issues as they prepare to uh, have special lanes for people to take buses and transit from wherever they are to get to the stadium without any massive backup in traffic. So to fix traffic issues from the 2014 Super Bowl, state legislation in New York and New Jersey have allocated $35 million just to design and plan a dedicated transit system loosely based on Disney World's bus system that they believe will alleviate the problems. On game days, buses will travel along a back road that is currently closed and in dedicated lanes on the New Jersey Turnpike. If successful, the system could become a lasting legacy of the World Cup. People are skeptical of the traffic issues that occurred in 2014 when New York City hosted the MetLife Stadium. New Jersey Transit is a dramatically different organization than it was in 2014, Mr. Murphy said, referring to the chaos after that Super Bowl. We've proven that with three Taylor Swift concerts in a row that went off flawlessly, we saw Bruce three nights flawless. We are just better than we used to be. New Jersey is an interesting state. I will say that. Very, very interesting place. But um, World Cup, and uh, are you excited about it, to be honest? We got two years, two and a half years. Uh, What are you looking forward to? Um, Who do you see as taking advantage of it the most in terms of player? Do we see any power couples uh, starting to gear up to get ready for it. You know, everyone, a lot of people are talking about, you know, how much money will be made, but who will take advantage of the moment? Uh, and right. what will, because we know what Usher and his financial uh, possibilities are from the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Super Bowl or football in general, Taylor Swift, the whole thing. Uh, Beyonce came out with a, uh, two records last night. It was beautiful to see the Queen take her throne back. Uh, Usher, obviously, his streams will go up as he dropped another album. We've spoken about that before in the past on our pods in terms of how much money is being made from someone who does a halftime show. But uh, you're more versed or more well-versed on soccer slash football players. So who do you see taking over America? Hmm. Man, I feel like Mbappe. I feel like the last World Cup, he was pretty. Kylian Mbappe, yeah, the Frenchman. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like the last World Cup, he was, you know, going back and forth with uh, Messi on the grand stage. And he was, I feel like he was only like 23, 24 at the time. He's that young? And, you know, yeah, he's young, bro. He's oh, not. Wow. Get his age, but he, I don't think he's at. I feel like he's like 24 or something like that. Give me, correct me if I'm wrong. But I think that that guy would be lit. Uh Shoot, how old would Messi be by then? I'm looking forward to Mbappe. Mbappe is 25, so he'll be 27. He'll be in his prime. He'll be in his prime on the world stage, and I just felt like that'd be lit. I feel like that'd be like the next, the next move. Ronaldo's a little bit older, so is Messi. But you know, I ain't gonna sit here act like I'm Joe Soccer. But I I would definitely want to sit here and see Mbappe. I think that'd be a dope story. And obviously, 
as you can see, like the French in athletics as well, they're just making a big splash. When you're talking about Mbappe, then you discuss, uh, you know, Wimby and some of the, you know, the other people really making moves. It's, it's kind of lit to see. Where would you go watch a game? Would you go to New York? Would you go to, I think they're p- playing like 30 minutes outside of uh, San Fran. They yeah, they might start. be, they're probably yeah. playing. I wonder where, where they're playing at. Well, 40 to 80,000. So it's only with so many stadiums. Um, so it would have to be where the 49ers play. So they play in San Jose. It would have yeah, to be at yeah. their stadium. It's over there. Yeah, yeah, that's where it's at, yeah. San Jose. I, I, I would look up the the, uh, the countries that are playing yeah. and check out where I would want to be. Um, the Bay Area has an amazing um, soccer footprint. Uh, most female professional soccer players, the highest percentage is in the Bay Area. Is it? And that was part that's of the reason fair. why I invested in the team. Like when I read through the yeah. investment deck, that's something I wouldn't have known before. You know, it's like hot beds for certain sports like LA, yeah, Chicago yeah, yeah. for basketball, yeah. Texas, Florida for football. Like we're in a hot bed in the bay for uh professional women's soccer players. So uh, it's gonna be dope. It's gonna be dope. Um Seattle would be dope to be honest. Because they got a wave going on up there. Yeah, I like Seattle. I think uh, I, I want to go to Canada, check out some games. I love Canada, bro. And I just feel like Canadians are cooler to hang out with. So I feel like that'd be fun to just watch some games <laughs> straight up, bro. I feel like no, I think, I, think you're, I think you're right, actually. Yeah, Canada in the summertime is actually lit. Vancouver in the summer. Vancouver anytime. Vancouver anytime. I want to go to Whistler, actually. Where's Where Whistler? Whistler's beautiful. Whistler is like 45 minutes. Like past, uh, like it's near Vancouver, but it's just like a vacation spot, basically. Aha. That would be super dope. Yeah, so it's like the aspen of like uh, Can- Canada. Hennessy and Mitchell and Ness have come together for the ultimate drop, a limited edition collection to celebrate Hennessy's continued partnership with the NBA. Because some things just go together, like Evan and myself. Hey, man, man. Remember when we met back in the day at Tim Grover's attack facility? Mm-hmm. I think it was like 08. I was finishing up my freshman year, and you were about to prepare to get that bag, right? Yes, my extension year. We met in 08. In 2010, we fast-forwarded to be each other's teammates. Mm-hmm. I obviously thought I was better than you. Then the first day of practice, I go baseline. You, you Brian blocked my shot before that Brian. That was a good block, G. <laughs> bro, I remember that, that. Bro, that was an amazing block. I'm looking like, bro, what just happened back there? And then I'm like thinking something, like talking to my agent. Like, bro, you just said I was better than this <laughs> Look, on the court, you're surrounded by a collection of personalities, egos, and talent. But when the pieces come together, that's when you form a great team. The same thing is true when you mix a great drink. Different ingredients come together for the first time, complementing one another to make something out of this world. And beyond the drinks, this drop with Hennessy and Mitchell and Ness celebrates the intersection of basketball with art, music, and fashion. Elements of culture that represent ways the fans and players pay homage to the game. The exclusive collection will have a limited drop available for both in retail and online. Check out at Hennessy US on Instagram for more information. Hennessy, without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs 
can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Point forward. For this Friday's business episode, we had the opportunity to sit down with Bay FC co-owner Danielle Slayton. So I am actually a small, small minority governor slash owner of the Bay FC National Women's Soccer League team. And as they are mm-hmm. in training camp this year and looking forward to their inaugural season, um, I thought it would be great for us to sit down and have a conversation with Danielle in terms of how did the thought come in process to bring a team to the Bay, uh, you know, struggles, you know, excitement that came from that, um, you know, who does she look to to raise money? Um, how did you set valuation price? You know, uh, what is the growth prospects? Um, you know, how did you get others to be involved? Who are some of the strategic investors? What are we most excited about? Um, we just building a great team, got a good majority uh, governorship in uh, Sixth Street Capital. Uh, I got to know them as well. And uh, just a conversation on um, the game, how it's evolving, and in my opinion, we'll be at the forefront of, or leading the charge in women's professional sports in America. Um, You know, we'll start seeing, I think you'll start seeing the word B come up with the valuation of some of these teams, um, you know, as they continue to build. Point forward. Um, well, our next guest uh, coming up has very, very close ties to the Bay Area as well. Um, very successful athlete. You're seeing a lot going on uh, with the women's empowerment movement. And it's sad that we still have to say that uh, continuously. Like, why do I have to say that? Like, it should already be something that's in place and we're continuing to move forward. Um, but someone that I've been uh, recently um uh, involved within the business space uh, with a recent investment. So the Bay Area just got a a new National Women's Soccer League team, um, which is amazing. We're seeing some crazy numbers in viewership and participation in uh, women's soccer. Um, And, and, you know, they say, put your money where your mouth is. I I know it's it's going to be an amazing movement. Our next guest uh, from the University of Santa Clara, bronze medalist in the World Cup, uh, silver medalist in the Olympics, uh, strong, strong soccer athlete. Welcome to the stage, Danielle Slayton. (laughs) 
Hey there, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast. And yes, we are in the thick of the college hoop season. Our pod runs at least three times a week and covers everything you need to know. From the power conference team to the mid-majors, the scoops, the stories, game predictions, previews, huge recaps, everything. We cover it all. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball Podcast wherever you get your pods. Last week, Kanye West accused one of the biggest Twitch streamers of being an industry plant. It's an idea that comes up so often on platforms like TikTok and elsewhere. You see people who have blown up seemingly overnight. And the question is, who's behind them, right? That's what everyone wants to know. Tipping the scales and pulling the lever to make them seemingly the next it thing on the internet. This week on Power User, is it even possible to create an industry plant on the internet? And if so, how? And I'm sorry, I didn't give the proper introduction. Uh, part of the original ownership group of Bay Area FC, which is the uh, new franchise in the Bay Area, we will be playing next year. I'm a any teensy wincy small uh, owner of the team, uh, but this is me too. Me too. <laughs> but you, I mean, we've never seen this before, which is beautiful. You know, we've been fighting for ownership for quite some time. I mean, we go all the way back to when the union first started with Oscar Robinson uh, and they boycotted the All-Star game uh, just to get the union started, just to get like proper, uh, I shouldn't say treatment, but you know, the things that we needed to have as athletes for the longevity and helping the leagues grow. And to see uh, a group of women, you know, uh, you along with uh, Ali, Brandy, and uh, Christy. Leslie. Leslie, that's Leslie, I'm sorry. Um, We've never seen something like this before, you know, an actual sports franchise being started by four women. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. So congrats to that. And just kind of talk to us of how it came about, you know, just from even the vision and to, you know, the whole journey. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Um, first of all, credit to LaRussa. Like, I feel like I was sitting there listening to y'all and I was like, man, I the, the authenticity comes through, the the creativity comes through, and I was like, ooh, I feel like filled up right yeah, now. We were, like, Let's go. Yeah, we were praying for that. Let's we, were hoping, go. <laughs> we were hoping it worked out. Yeah. Um, but no, when I, I look back to really the, the germination of the idea for, for Bay FC, it started in 2020, and it started when a bunch of other former teammates of mine uh, down in Los Angeles announced that there was this new football team, new soccer team in Los Angeles, Angel City football football club and Leslie um, Leslie Osborne Allie Wagner Brandy Chastain and myself we all live about two miles from each other right so I go on my run I can run by everybody's house on the way um, and Leslie was the one to call and was like what the hell how come we didn't know about this what are they doing in LA like and why don't we get to be a part of it and she came and she was like but, but maybe we could do that right we could do that up here and so we called down to, to Southern California, one of our other former teammates, Julie Foudy, and was like, what's going on with this? Like, tell us what happened. And she said, hey, there's this other woman who's kind of sniffing around. She's on the business side of things. You should talk to this woman, Jen. And so we all kind of got together and we had the soccer side, we had the business, the tech side, and all these crazy women thinking, you know what, we just might we just might go about this. Um, and so you're kind of new to the game and new to the, the investment group, but we've been doing this for three years mm -hmm. and we've been building towards this. And 
it's amazing to, to finally see it come to life, see you know our merchandise out in the world. We just made our announcement yesterday. We're going to be playing down in PayPal Park in San Jose. So things are happening, and now we're going to be running with our hair on fire for the next nine months, which women know a little bit something about you know making things happen in nine months. And uh, <laughs> we're going to get that done, and we're going to have our first so uh, soccer match next March. So, so tell me... A lot of people don't know you're drafted by the Carolina Courage. That was the first original women's soccer league, right? Mm -hmm. So tell me, when it came from that, how do you feel from, you know, your first year being a number one pick back in 2000, correct? Yep. And, uh, you know, winning a championship with them to being able to take this big leap. Did you ever foresee yourself being able to do this prior to that? Or even back in the day, was there always like a wish to be like, yo, we want to be on a, a higher crazy level to build a sport similar to what, you know, they do in Euro? I wish yeah. I, I wish I could look back 20 years ago and say that I had the vision to, to think of myself in that way. Um, but I'd be curious to hear you all's journey too on like kind of when you felt like, oh, I, c I can do this. I can do more than basketball. I can have a seat at the table. Um, because for me, I feel like that's just kind of happening right now. Um, and you know, we talk about, like, like let's, let's just level set here. So in 2001, I was the first draft pick out of Santa Clara number one draft pick, and... You went to school with Steve Nash, correct? You're the uh, best, best he, he was, athlete he was a couple out, right? year, He was a couple years older than me, okay. but yes. Um, that man could play soccer, too, by the <laughs> yeah, way. Let me yeah. tell you. He could probably do anything he wanted, but... Um, but so I was the first draft pick, and my salary, $20,000. Um, and so just like to kind of level set on the differences when you're talking about pay equity and you're hearing Megan Rapinoe and Alex Morgan and so many of these women fighting for, for equal pay and equal rights, like it's not even equal. It's like, can we just get to a living wage? Right. Um, and we still have a long way to go in the NWSL. I mean, the minimum salary right now still is only $36,000. So that's part of us coming into this league and saying, look, our club is going to be player-centric. Our, play our club is something where we are going to consistently fight for our players because they deserve it. And if we expect them to perform at the most elite level, we have to support them in the way that, that allows them to do that. And part of that is better pay, part of that is better resources, part of that is better support. Um, and so that's about, you know, that's, that's what we're building with Bay FC. Um, I don't think that I th realized when I was a player that that voice mattered. Um, you know, I definitely was of the generation of like, shut up and dribble, like I'm here to kick a soccer ball and, and you do that, you sit in your place. And after, I think quite frankly, like George Floyd and, and being a, a, a woman of color on television and not ever seeing anybody who looks like me and, and starting to feel empowered by that movement, being like, oh no, how I show up in the world matters. How I speak matters. And, and I need to sit at that table and make sure I voice that opinion because that opinion isn't being heard. And so I think I'm still kind of finding myself in that way, um, but I feel really empowered. And I think this club ha has helped me grow in that capacity. I had a crazy idea the other day. What was this, it? this is like off the cuff. Good. Crazy yeah. ideas are good. Let's go. Well, I want but it. It is crazy. <laughs> and I think, you know, because I work with the union and we do a lot of things with the W mm -hmm. in terms of how to help the W. And sometimes I think it gets received the wrong way when we're just trying to come up with our new ideas. Like somebody threw a crazy idea about like uniforms. And I was thinking like, well, wait, hold on. You can't be disrespectful. But it wasn't disrespectful. And so I think sometimes like 
myself and Evan, we think, well, how can we give up idea and it's received the wrong way and then you just never get it out there, you know? So I'm just throwing this out there. I think there should be, we talking about tax incentives. And well, first, let's talk about this and then I'll, it'll lead me to that. I was talking to Cheryl Sandberg, who's a big um, investor in the group as well. Mm -hmm. And she's very involved and she's big on women's leadership. Mm -hmm. and so we have this leadership initiative for uh, our, our young women who are playing soccer. Uh, you can get, like we're building up the training programs like they do overseas for women to play soccer. And statistics show, like it's, 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 it's right there. And it's like common sense too. Sports teams or being involved with sports help you become a better business man or woman, a better business person. You learn uh, discipline. You learn how to work well with other people. You learn how to well, work well through uh, conflict. You know, you, you resolve a lot of issues. Uh, some of the, the best marketers, or if you have a sport that you played in college, it's easy to get a marketing job in like any business out there. Like you see a lot of marketing teams with folks who, you know, play, you know, whether they canoe or play cricket or any of those things, they get those jobs. And our initiative with Bay FC, with women's leadership within soccer is amazing. And statistics show when you have a diverse board and you have women on your board, your P&L sheets are through the roof. Like it's night and day the percentages of profits when you have women on your board. Like it's, it's mind boggling that we have, still have boards with no women or have no diversity. It makes no sense. Even if you don't like women or minorities, it's gonna be better you on like your money, balance. like money, don't you? It's better on your balance sheets. <laughs> exactly. It's like, what are we doing? And so the idea I came up with was, why not just give crazy tax incentives you know, for some of these billion, trillion dollar uh, you know, entities to invest in women's sports? And even if you're working at a loss, it, it, you get those tax incentives because ultimately you're building up the next generation of women who will be the leaders who will run companies, who will be on board seats, and just getting them inspiration or having, helping them see like, these are the greatest women of our times, whether they're athletes or uh, business people, like our young girls need to see that. And so why wouldn't we wanna incentivize them to reach for these lofty goals? And you know, why don't we make our salaries 150,000, 400,000, whatever it may be, you, got, you gotta, you got to decrease that pay gap, gap. Yeah. And, and you got to raise it up. So that was the crazy yeah. thought I had. Like, no, I, why not? You I mean, know what I mean? I think you're absolutely right in that we need to continue to make progress, right? But mm -hmm. progress never happens in a straight line. It never happens, quite frankly, probably as quickly as I like. But you're absolutely right. And I think it's true of boys and girls, but particularly girls. You see the data. You see the research, particularly out of the Women's Sports Foundation. And we know, like, we know that girls who play become women who lead, flat out. And so how, and, and playing high school sports correlates more highly than being on the honor roll in high school. And so to me, you said it perfectly, right? Sports provides us the opportunity and the environment to practice all of these things that we expect you to do as an adult and get right. And so let's give girls, let's give boys, let's give people access to sport 
in the right way and then use that opportunity to teach them all of these leadership skills. And that's part of what we're building, this platform of more than soccer. And we're and I think about it in a few ways. I think about access for kids. I think about how we provide the opportunities. I think especially in those like teen middle school years, how we're leveraging the work from Lean In and Cheryl Sandberg to make sure we're supporting girls in the right way and letting them practice these leadership skills. But we're also thinking about how we're gonna do that with our players and how we're thinking about, this isn't just a place that we're gonna to build to attract the best talent in the world, but this is not only gonna be a place to come to, but a place from which I envision everyone wants to go forth from, whether it's our players, whether it's our staff. I want to see like 10 years from now, 30 years from now, the world populated with Bay FC players and business leaders who are kicking butt across the global sports landscape. And so that's the vision that we're building. When I think about this place, like to me, I'm like, my crazy idea is let's just go build this women's hub. Let's have a WNBA team there too, shoot, why not? Let's build a training facility, let's build an innovation hub, let's build a WeWork Center where women can come and it's designed for women. I don't need a barbershop, maybe I have a barbershop, but you know what I need? I need a daycare over there and I need somebody to help me manage the life and the expectations that I have to care for my kids and also have a career. I, you know, I don't necessarily need a super gadget to open my curtains, I just need some nice ass curtains. So like, how do we figure that out and think through what are the needs of women? What is the research when it comes to sports performance? And how do we build that to support our players? But not only our players, people around the community. Um, how can we build for that too? What were the um, you know, difficulties and what were like some of the easy parts when you went from the idea to going to you know, find investors and find a team to get behind you, especially in a Bay Area where the Warriors you know, are the, you know, the kings, quote unquote, of the area? I, I think as crazy as it sounds, um, right now is a time that it is right for women's sports. I mean, you see the World Cup and you see the energy around that, you see the investment. And so I think the idea wasn't a hard sell. Um, fundraising and getting people to support it's not a hard sell. Um, the challenge for us now is in the how and how we execute it. And the thing that, if anything, keeps me up at night, aside from my six-month-old, is, is just that we're not going to be able to execute fast enough what we say we're going to execute because we have these big crazy dreams and these big crazy visions and and we know as athletes what it's like to continue to fight and have to you know set those goals and keep working and keep chopping that wood and keep going and so to me that's the pressure i feel to to give to our players to give to our community and make sure that our little corner of the universe is better because of what we're building so going back to you being an athlete and you stop playing at 25 Correct. Mm -hmm. Knee yep. injury, right? Mm -hmm. Right, being injured. And, you know, and, and I'll make sure I haven't forgot, Evan and I will answer that question in terms of like how do we transition from yeah. sports to off the court, off the field. Uh, but for you, what was it like being that young and where was your brain space yeah. uh, being injured and, you know, having to make that transition? relatively yeah. early. It was hard. Um, it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through. And I don't think it's something I talked about then. You talked about it a little bit with LaRussell and this idea of mental health and talking about that more frequently. Um, my, or my career ended to injury and I was unfortunate in that I fell um, in the gap between leagues, right? So I played in the WSA, which was the first women's professional league. After three years, that folded. And then my knee, injury happened a couple of years later. And so I didn't have a professional place to play. And so if you weren't on the national team, which, oh, top 20 in the country, essentially, like 
where are you gonna play? There was no place to play. And so for me, my career just kind of faded to black un uneventfully, just quietly. It was just like, you're just not invited anymore. And it was just kind of done. This week on The Pitch, AI versus models. My co-founder and I have never been represented when shopping online. This lack of representation in e-commerce drives down conversion rate, leads to a high return rate, and is a problem for both consumers and brands. This is where Flock comes in. I'm looking at a lip, a lip product here. Yep. So it's got some up-close uh, pictures of lips in lipstick with different skin tones, different nose shapes. Is that AI-generated? It's fully AI-generated. Got it. Mm. It's an existential question for modeling agencies. Because besides walking down <laughs> yeah. a runway, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah, modeling might go away. There's just no other way to be able to do it in a scalable solution without using AI. Things get existential on The Pitch. Go right now and subscribe to The Pitch wherever you listen to podcasts. And so... For me, I think um, my husband now, my boyfriend at the time, like I, I struggled with it because I tried to use all of these tools, these wonderful tools that we learn in sport, suck it up, work harder, don't complain, be a good teammate, keep fighting, grind it out. I kept trying to do those things. Turns out that doesn't work so well with your feelings, just, you know, <laughs> um, lesson learned. But it took me a long time. And, and I don't think I asked for help early enough. I don't think I took the time to grieve the loss of my sport um, because, and I don't know if it's the same for you, you both, but like, I wasn't just a girl who played soccer. Like, I was a soccer player. And so when I lost my identity in that, I didn't know what else I was going to be. And, and the challenge for me was that I was 25 years old. And all that anybody ever wants to talk about when they don't know you and you're an athlete, oh, tell me about the Olympics. Oh, you play for the Warriors. Oh, yeah, you play the 76ers. Like, tell me all about that. And I was going through this period of like, oh, my God, what if the most interesting thing that happened to me in my, that happens to me in my life already happened? What am I supposed to do for the next 70 years of my life? Like, how am I supposed to go? And people kept saying, find your passion and you'll never work a day in your life. And I was like, I found it. <laughs> it's over. Got, taken, got taken away from me. Right. Now what the hell am I supposed to do? And so it took me a long time to, to find my way back to sport. I think what I started to do, and my husband credit him because he kind of, after probably two years of me complaining, said, look, you know what you do? He goes, this is what normal, I'm doing ear quotes, what, this is what normal people do. He goes, you pick something. He goes, and you walk through that door. And he goes, and if you like it, you stay in that room. And if you don't like it, you turn your butt back the next day and you go pick another door. And you just keep picking doors and that door is gonna lead you to another door and another door. And eventually, you're gonna find a place where you feel good. He goes, but you have to pay attention to yourself and you have to keep moving and you have to keep walking through doors. And so that's what I did. I was fortunate enough that I took time and um, I just said, whatever I enjoy, I'm gonna do. I said, I like flowers called up a florist and I said, I will scrub your buckets. I just want to learn how to make a bouquet. I want to learn, by the way, anybody getting married, I can make you a mean bouquet and boutonniere. So you just come call me. Um, I always loved fitness and I was like, you know what? Let me try being a spinning instructor. That's how I got into television. Someone said, can you talk about soccer on TV? And I said, yes. I was lying. I was terrible. Um, but I kept walking through those doors. And that's what made me find my love back to soccer. Um, so that's what allows me to, to work and call the World Cup right now. That's what has allowed me to be a part of this Bay FC um, organization. And it took me a long time. Sorry, that was a very long-winded no, answer. No, no, um, no, but that's how I got here. And it, and it took a while. But um, I wouldn't be it without the support of the people who helped me really kind of 
push and, and learn how to live with soccer in a more long-lasting way. Well, we got to answer your question. ET, you, or you want me to go? I, I'll go. Um, I'll use Dre for example. Uh, I'll say this. When it came to like doing stuff outside of uh, you know, basketball, you know, like you said, I was a basketball player, so that was kind of like my identity. But my mentors and everything will always just be like, you know, you're bigger than basketball. And I used to be like, all right, like, sure, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, one thing I always just try to do is try to, uh, you know, you know, keep exploring what might feed my interests, even though I love basketball so much. So uh, I think, uh, you know, timing is everything and, you know, fate is everything. And I got drafted to the Sixers and I bumped into, you know, a guy that, you know, really set the tone for doing things outside of just basketball. When I met Dre, he was usually always at Harvard interning somewhere or going to some type of gala or, when I go to fundraisers, his fundraisers were a little bit different than the other people's fundraiser and like different type of levels. And, uh, you know, from a distance, um, you know, honestly, you know, when you look up to mentors, you kind of piggyback the right way. And, but at the same time, you know, I learned that, you know, it's not about what you do, but the people around you that support you. And, uh, you know, when it came down to it, we had a lot of stuff going on together. But, you know, I, I just really dove into just having confidence in what I'd done before. Um, you know, to make the NBA and do certain things that we did, I was like, that can't be that easy. And I was able to wiggle in into a space where, you know, only a three-tenths of a percent were able to make it. So I figured it gave me confidence to be like, yo, if I can do this, I can do a lot of other things. And the number one thing was just finding the right support system. You're not anything without people that believe in you. So when I started my first real venture outside of, like, the you know, the, the being bad toss of doing real estate and all that type of stuff. I went and got, you know, Kelsey Hawkins and, you know, Anna Martin and people that actually were willing to listen and believe in my ideas. And one thing that I say is like, yeah, we're all amazing in certain instances, but the realm you're at and you got to find the right type of people that see your greatness. And uh, I think that's the number one thing that's helped me lead to success because you have a lot of people out there that are competing, but there's very few people are willing to push you forward. And I think that's what really helped me get into some of my ventures, but also uh, break out of my shell of basketball because people didn't see it in me. Maybe I never would have really understood it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. How about you? Uh, that's beautiful. Um, all right, I'm going to be honest. So bear with me, right? Bear with me. So a lot of my motivation came from, I'm just being blunt. It was a lot of white people that told me what I couldn't do like early on in my life. Like those traumas, like that's real. Yeah. Uh, it was a, I was eighth grade. What was that? I remember them like it was yesterday. I can tell it. You walked into a class. Oh, that it, was. The, it was an AP class, right? Yeah, that was the first one. So that oh, was. Yeah. Damn, can I say her name? Miss Johnson ain't listening, right? There's a so, bunch of Miss Johnsons. <laughs> a bunch of Miss Johnsons, right? So I walked into a class, and this is my book, The Sixth Man. I walked to a class. It was a, it was a high track AP English class. This is in seventh grade. Seventh grade. And I walk in, and she was like, excuse me, um, do you know where you're going? And I'm like, yeah, I know where I'm going. Like, what do you mean? She was like, let me see your schedule. your schedule. And I'm like, what? But in that moment, when she said, let me see your schedule, I'm like, oh, she don't think I'm in the right class, right? So I showed her my schedule, and she was like, you know, all right, you're in the right class. Have a seat. But it was like with some, some oomph to it, like, you don't think I belong in here? And so it's funny because we had to write essays. And uh, when we wrote our essay, it was, like a, it was like a practice essay. And she was trying to see where we were at. I ended up having the best essay. But for like that first month of class, she couldn't stand me. 
Like every day she was nitpicking at me, like, what are you doing? Why is this, why is that? Like sit up straight, I'm just like, what? I'm not doing anything. But when she saw my essay, I became her favorite student. And it's amazing at 12, 13 years old, you can, you can see a adult's energy change. And then like the very next year, it was another teacher. He was my brother's football coach actually. He found out that I was going to a different high school than I, I was supposed to go. And he dealt with a certain high school when I went to a different high school. He pulled me to a side and was like, I heard you going to Lanfear, which is the high school I was going to. And I was like, yeah. And it was like a basketball high school. And he was like, oh, you'll be a loser just like the rest of them. I'm like, man, I'm 14 years old. Like, why would you tell me that? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it just even throughout like history, I look back at my traumas. It was always like an older white person of, uh, of authority telling me like I couldn't do certain things. Like I've even had a coach like we were talking about earlier, like I was in a Nike camp and my first day was like a little shaky. I'm trying to figure out my confidence because I'm skinny like my son and I'm getting pushed around and I'm trying to figure it out. And the coach is like, well, maybe you should go to JUCO like the NBA is not your route. So, you know, I store that. And then like I'm in college, which is the best coach I've ever had. You know, this was like there were mind games along the way. And I'm like, what's up with these mind games? Like, I don't think I'm as good as I really am. Like, I'm having agents approach me after games. And I remember one agent, he approached me, and we had been texting. And I'm like, well, why are you texting me? Like, what do you want from me? Like, what do you want? He's like, what do you mean? I want to represent you. And I'm like, for what? He's like, the NBA. Like, you think I'm wasting my time with somebody that's not good? And I was like, well, why is my coach telling me I'm not good that good every day? Because he don't want you to leave school. Duh. Duh. <laughs> I was like, oh, I get it now. And so those moments, I understood like, okay, I'm going to make it to the NBA. But when I got to the league, you hear a million horror stories about going broke, going bankrupt as an athlete. And so just those people telling me I couldn't do something, I always thought like, I'm going to the NBA, but I'm going to do something crazier than the NBA. It's almost like Kanye West. And I know people get mad, I say Kanye's name all the time, but I don't think people understand like the inspiration that like, he's put into a whole generation. Like I watch Genius on Netflix all the time. I just came back from Spain. We came back from Spain yesterday. Mm -hmm. Like I watched it while I was there and just see him like from the beginning, he was like, no, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do it. Like at a young age and his mom was his support system was like, yeah, right on. Like, you know, somebody telling you you're gonna be great at something, that, that might be all you need. And so I always told myself, like, I'm going to do something so much bigger than basketball. Like, basketball is just going to take me to where I really want to go. And Kanye was like, music is just going to take me to where I really want to go. Like, how many fashion brands has he inspired? Like, Skims is valued at what now? Four billion. Four billion dollars. Like, so that was, it just was in you. Like, where did it come from? I was you a, just I, had it? I was a sore loser, which, like, if you can, if you can, like, if you can turn energy certain uh -huh. ways, like I tell like my young guys, like uh, Jordan Poole was my little brother and Lester Quiones is my little brother. He killed in the summer league this summer. And it's like, them are two guys are out there to be like, no, shift your energy. Like Lester mm. is a knucklehead. He's like, I was bad for no reason as a kid. I'm like, yeah, just take the same energy. You just shift it a little bit. Like coach is mad at you for something. Don't yell back at him. Just use the same energy on defense and just steal the ball and lay the ball up. And now the coach likes you. And they're like, huh? I'm like, listen, you're going to be really mad with that coach and you're going to argue with coach or take the same exact energy and just put it on defense, yeah. which is he's getting on you about defense. And now you're, you get five more minutes in the game. And now it's just, you're just going to keep going up in the coach's favor. 
and then he averaged 21, four and four in summer league this year. Like he just got his contract yesterday. And, and I'm like, I'm not taking any credit for it. You did it, but it's just shifting that energy. So for me being a sore loser, like I hate losing at anything. Do you like, hate to lose more than you love to win? Yeah, like when I don't, I, I'm, that's what I need to work on. Like what you were saying earlier about like, like gratification, like you should tell yourself you're the best. Like, why not? And that's another Kanye thing, too. Like, he might take it too far, but, like... And it's for the, it's free to talk positively about yourself. You know what I mean? I always tell people, like, tell your own story because the sidelines is going to fuck it up. And when it comes down to it, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? You know the truth, and you can never, like, un... Under, you, you can never, like, you know, underestimate how stupid people are. You know what I mean? And that's not in the sake of anything, but it's just in the sake of confidence. When I first left high school, my English teacher was like, you're no longer, you're going to Ohio State, you're leaving here, you're no longer a big fish in a little pond, you're a little fish in a big pond. And I'm like, bitch, I'm a shark. <laughs> like, and that's, and like, no disrespect to like the B word or nothing, but like you have to be entitled to it because it's like, no, this is my life. Like, fuck what you're talking about. Like, go do what you do, go do what I do, and we'll meet at the top. But if you ain't there, that's on you. But like, other than that, like, nah, like, why would I wake up just to do normal shit? Y'all are so whole membership like holders. Like y'all understand it. Like, you want difference, and that's that's the value of it. That's the vibe. And it's simple as that. It's not like he keeps it cute in culture. Like legit, we meet one or tw once or twice. It's a fuck you, and I'll go do it. I love it. Straight and up. This is why I hang out with him. Hell yeah. Because I want to hang out with y'all more. No, I should. Nah, it's, it's overrated with me. Don't worry. <laughs> no, I always struggle with like being too humble, mm. and like you know, as a parent, it's like how do you find that fine balance? Mm -hmm. You know, like you have a six month old, like how do you find that balance of, no, you're gonna be humble, like you're gonna be respectful. But at the same time, I had to go back, it was like, okay, my son, he's the first one. It's like, boy, you gotta stop being quiet and stop being nice. You gotta stop being nice, like go take it. But we've been preaching being humble. Mm -hmm. And so like you need people around you. And this is why this is my best friend, because anytime I'm around him, I feel like the best version of myself because I'm super confident, you know? And so like, I always struggle with that. Mm -hmm. You know, with just like, instead of me just worrying about the losses or how I'm gonna prove somebody wrong, like sometimes I need to bask in like who I am and my greatness. Yeah. 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 You all right. You all right. I do all right. <laughs> it works out, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, but you understand the journey. Absolutely. You know, yeah. like you said, you got nine months to figure it out. And like, I'm here, whatever you need. I'm, you. I'm up the street. I've already been to, uh, not a game, but uh, cat. <laughs> I like that. But we were at the, uh, the women, U.S. Women's National yeah, Team we send-off We were at the, mm -hmm. uh, what they call, friendly game. Yep. And so I was there, pulled up, friendly, mm -hmm. and then uh, it will be on my calendar. Yep. I will be we'll at the games. There. Yes. Um, I can edit, but I'm going to be on the board. Yeah. And so I will be heavily involved. So yeah. any capacity, whatever you need, um, I truly appreciate you. I hope you know you are an inspiration. Mm, thank you. Like, you're going to change, like, generational lives. You talk about generational wealth, like that's real generational wealth where you know you're going to make the next crop better and then they're going to make the next crop better and hopefully we stop tearing up the earth with over mass producing and how we do so. Uh, with that being said, thank you so much. Thank you. For joining thank us. You, thank you, Andre. Thank you. I appreciate so it. Beautiful conversation. Thank you. Without a ball, it's just a court. And without your spirit, it's only a game. So, together with the fans, we bring our best. For your next pregame, let's share a twist on a classic, the Hennessy Margarita. 
a squeeze of fresh lime juice, and a bit of agave syrup, topped off with ice and a salted rim. Mix it, shake it, pour it, and enjoy the spirit of the NBA. Hennessy, without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. 